1: Your Bibles, take them out, please, and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. Luke's Gospel, chapter number six. I want us to look at verse 27 and following Luke's Gospel, chapter number six, verse 27 through verse 38. We will be looking at today. I want to start a brand new series for the next, including today. There's going to be five sermons, five messages on this subject of stewardship, and I believe. I believe the key to a successful Christian life is found in true biblical stewardship. So for the next uh, four or five weeks, uh, I'm going to be speaking on this subject and talking to you about stewardship and all that the Bible unpacks about that particular subject. I really do believe it's the key to successful living, Um, having Christ in the center of your life, living for Him, recognizing that everything belongs to Him. And by the way, whenever I say stewardship, I want you to understand I'm not just talking about money, uh, although money is a huge part of it. I'm talking about other areas of our life that we are to manage and be good stewards of, including our time, including our talents, uh, including our, our treasure, which is our our money of course and so we're going to be looking at all of that through this series and and i hope and pray that you come out a stronger christian and believer as a result of of having a good crystal clear understanding biblical understanding of what god's word has to say about stewardship so are you there in luke chapter six and verse number 27 these are the words of jesus by the way and jesus says this but i say to you who listen love your enemies Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. And if anyone takes your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from one who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid. In full, but here's the contrast. Here's where our Lord is going with this. I'll be honest with you. All that He has just spoken is profound, is it not? I mean, when you really start unpacking what He just said, and and we start living that, is that not profound? Is that not countercultural, to say the least? But here's the contrast. He says in verse 35, "But love your enemies." Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Verse 37 Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn. And you will not be not condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running over. Will be poured into your lap. Get this now. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you. That's profound scripture, is it not? Sometimes I think whenever we read that, we're like, really? Really, Jesus? That's, that's hard to do. Well, I will say this. It is hard to do in the flesh. It is hard to do without the Lord's help. But when you give your heart and your life over to Christ, and when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your spirit, and your life, these things become a whole lot easier to do when you're walking in his power and his strength and his spirit instead of your own. With that being said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this morning, this time of worship. And, and God, we do thank you for our church family and, and God for how you've blessed and are continuing to bless. And, and Father, we pray now as we open the Word of God, as we start to look in this subject on stewardship. Father, I just pray that our hearts and our minds will be opened to what you have for us through this series. God, I believe that this teaching from your word can revolutionize lives if we would only practice it. It's one thing to hear it. It's something else to put it into practice. And Father, I pray that we would do that. Help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. I ask your blessings in our time together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many remember when you were <clears throat> possibly in school, grade school, junior high, high school, maybe even college. And the teacher would get up and ask a question on a particular subject. And if you knew the answer, there was everything within you that you were hoping and praying that that teacher would call on you because you knew the answer. I mean, it's almost like you wanted to stand up and wave your hand and say, look at me. I've got the answer for that question. Or maybe you were the student that when the teacher would ask a question, you didn't have a clue. Maybe I found myself in that category more than the other. And it's almost like now you're hiding behind someone. And you're like, oh, please don't see me. Please don't call on me. And you're kind of shrinking and slouching down in your chair. Does anybody relate to what I'm saying right here? I guess we've all experienced that to one degree uh, or another. Well, I, hear, I want you to know today that I am the first example on this subject today rather than the latter. I'm almost standing up inside of me and I'm shouting, pay attention, church, look, I know the answer. I know the answer to successful living. I, I know the answer to the blessings of God. I know the answer. Call on me. Let me tell you. Well, you called on me this morning, so I get to tell you. Amen? I get to share with you what the answer is to successful living. A lot of people accept Christ as their Savior, and they just start going through the motions. They show up for some of the activities. They may get in a Bible study or two. They start attending church a little bit. And then after the newness of it all wears off, they're like, you know, this really isn't meeting my needs. I still feel empty. And I believe the reason is because we really have not settled into and are living out one of the greatest biblical doctrines in the entire Word of God, and that's stewardship. And stewardship is simply just managing the resources that God gives us, right? That's really all it means to be a steward. Just simply managing the resources that God has given to us. Now, I shared with you the passage of Scripture in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 27 through 38. I want to make, just by opening up this message... Four very quick observations about this passage. And by the way, this is not the message. This is an overview, okay? This is by way of introduction. Real quickly, I want you to look at some observations that I see in this passage. Number one, do you realize when Jesus says that we are to love our enemies, when we're to do good to those who ridicule us and hate us, and, and when they slap us, turn the other te- cheek, when they steal our coat, give them our shirt also, when they ask us to go one mile, go with them two or three, or and this over and beyond type spirit and attitude, My first observation is is that this behavior is to be our lifestyle. I mean, this is the way that we are to live. And I ask the question, really? Jesus, do you really expect us to live that way? And the answer to that is yes. We are to adopt this philosophy in Luke chapter 6. Verse 27, the teachings of Jesus, we are to adopt that as our lifestyle. This is how we are to live. We don't judge each other. We don't condemn each other. We forgive one another. We give as it's been given to us. And it goes on and on. Are we really to live like that? The answer is yes. Observation number two. Do you realize that this behavior sets us apart from the world? I mean, the world can look at someone that is living in this passage of Scripture, and they're going to be different from the world. As a matter of fact, three different times our Lord brings reference to even sinners do that. Even the world does that to love those who love you. Even the world does that to lend to those who are going to pay you back. Even the world does that. Do you see the references? Now here the observation is that that if we live this way, it will set us apart. We will live a different lifestyle than the world lives. Observation number three. This behavior is modeled by our Heavenly Father. This is the way that Jesus lived. I mean, when you look at his life and how he lived for those 33 and a half years that He actually walked this earth, this is how he lived. He was constantly forgiving. He was constantly not condemning. I mean, and and, and judging and, and, and taking the abuse of the world and showing us He was modeling this lifestyle. Just as your Father has compassion, we are to have compassion and be merciful. The fourth observation is this, that this behavior will reap many benefits. Look in verse number 35. Look in our text, Luke 6 and verse number 35. But love your enemies and do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then, here we go, then your reward will be great and you will be the sons of the Most High. And then he talks about in verse number 37, if we forgive, we will be forgiven. And then he talks about in verse number 38, if we give, we will receive. Do you see all the wonderful benefits of living this type of a lifestyle? And the list goes on and on and on. So what is stewardship? Whenever we think about the idea of stewardship, I want you to get this picture in your mind. We are just managers. We are just managers. God owns it all. Hello, church? And you know me long enough, for those that have sat under my preaching since 1999 here at Victory Church, you know whenever I deal with the issue of stewardship, there are four words that really sums up the entire doctrine of stewardship. And they're on the screen, so let's say them together. God owns it all. Say it again. God, let me ask you a question. Who owns your house? God. Who owns your car? God. Who owns the clothes on your back? God. Who owns the money in your bank account? God. Who owns your heart? God. Who owns the breath that you breathe? God. Who owns the air and the trees and everything around? God. He owns it all. Matter of fact, your heart doesn't beat unless it asks God for permission. Amen. I mean, everything in this world belongs to God, and my heart right now beats. boom, boom. Thank God it's continuing. But it beeps, then it or beeps and beats, <laughs> not beeps, but it beats, and then it looks up. God should have beat, beat, beat one more time. Beats again. Beats again. Beats again. You see, I believe that our God is sovereign. I believe that our God is in control of everything. He created it all. He is working out His divine plan. He's got a full master plan. The whole thing is in work. We may not always understand it. Do we? But God is in control. Therefore, we need to be managers of His possessions that He has given to us. We need to be good stewards. We need to be faithful stewards. We need to be good managers. Now, guys, listen. Do you realize that you get to live life one of two ways? You either get to live life and your life can be a river or your life can be a reservoir. I mean, you can just live with the blessings of God flowing through your life like a river or you can live as one that just hoards it up and almost just wraps your arms around it and you're just just this reservoir without any fresh water flowing into it at all. And I was raised back in the country and I know what it is when you have a pond of water without any fresh water flowing into it. You know what happens? There's algae and mold and mildew and it stinks. Nobody wants to swim in that reservoir. No one wants any water out of that reservoir. Matter of fact, it stinks. Doesn't it? But boy, you get into the rivers of western North Carolina and you see those rivers cutting through those mountains and those creeks and those streams and and everything in you wants to jump right in the middle of that river. Right? Beautiful. You see, I want my life to be a river. I want to just be a, I just want God to channel His blessings through me. I mean, I just want to stay connected to Him like a big piece of conduit and let the river of His blessings flow through my life and out to a world. I want to influence this world with the blessings that God gives me. I want to be able to bless others. I don't want to be a reservoir. I don't want to be one that hoards it up. I don't want to be one that lives life like this. I want to live like this. My hand's wide open. Amen. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, and the Scripture says what? Blessed be the name of the Lord. But sometimes we adopt this philosophy of, you know, get all I can and can all I get and sit on the can, right? I mean, it's just, this hoarding it up. That's my house. That's my car. And I gotta have more. And I gotta have more. And it's almost like this social status, this socioeconomic status that, that we've got to arise to this level of all these possessions so people are gonna look at us and see, look what God help us. Hello? We as Christians should live a different lifestyle. And that's a little bit of what I'm talking about whenever I talk about stewardship. Let, let me share with you three three ways. Well, how do we develop this lifestyle? Of giving how do we develop this lifestyle of living like a river instead of a a reservoir and there's three things I want to I want you to jot these down real quick number one get this we must totally give ourselves to the to God We must totally give our our whole being to the Lord guys you realize That true biblical Stewardship does not get this now. It does not begin when you place a check or some cash or when you give online with your credit or debit card, it does not begin when you give an offering on Sunday. True stewardship does not begin there. A lot of times people think, oh, stewardship, he's going to be talking about taking up a better off. No, 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 no. Hello? True biblical stewardship begins when I give my life to God. When I give myself to him. I don't have time to unpack all of this scripture. But I want you to jot down that reference and and, and read it and look it up whenever you get home. But in in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 15 it says. And Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. and, And he's talking about these dear brothers and sisters. I'm going to be paraphrasing some here. He says this. He says. Though they've been going through much trouble and much hard times. And through their deep poverty. They gave not only what they could afford but far more. Now, the church at Corinth was going through great poverty at this time. There was great um, persecution on them. They were in trouble. They were facing hard times. They were in a recession, so to speak. But the Apostle Paul talks about them giving over and over and over again, far more. And why? Because of verse number 5 of 2 Corinthians 8. It says, best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord. Guys, whenever it comes to stewardship, it really does come down to a heart issue. Have we really given ourselves completely over to God? Have we really given ourselves? That's where it starts. Stewardship begins with yourself. The second thing, as far as how to develop this lifestyle of giving, number two, we've got to learn some biblical benefits of giving. Matter of fact, as I go through this series, I'm hoping and praying that you are amazed and possibly even shocked And how much the Bible has to say about your giving and your grasping. I hope you can see this. Because we're going to be unpacking this over the next several weeks. And the third way that we can develop this lifestyle of giving is to simply apply these principles. Totally give ourselves. See what the principles are in God's Word. And then live out these principles on a daily basis. And then I think when you apply them and you do them. Then you'll start being blessed. And understanding there's fulfillment in serving Christ. There's great fulfillment in living for Him. And you'll have this inner peace that, that passes all understanding. Guys, whenever you talk about God wanting in God's Word to, for us to develop this lifestyle of giving, do you realize that in the Bible, the Bible talks about giving three times more than it does love? The Bible talks about giving seven times more than it does prayer? The Bible talks about giving eight times more than it does believing? Now, we all know that we should love, right? I mean, even the pagan heathens will tell you that. Well, Christians, they ought to love. Do you realize that in the Bible, love or loving is only mentioned 714 times, but everybody believes we ought to do that. Well, the other thing that everybody will say will attribute to one of the characteristics of a believer is that, you know, they're people of prayer. I mean, they have a national prayer prayer day and, and they all gather and they pray. I mean, even the heathen in the world will tell you, Christians pray and we should pray. But do you realize that praying or prayer is only found 371 times in the Bible? Even the world will look at us today and say, well, Christians are believers. You know, they believe in the person of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that the word believer or believe or believing is only found 272 times in the Word of God? Contrast that to the word give, giver, or giving. You know how many times that's found in God's Word? 2,612 times. God wants us to focus on the attitude of giving three times more than we focus on love, seven times more than we focus on prayer, eight times more than we focus on believing, just in comparison to how much is referenced in the Word of God. Hello? Wow. I hope that shocked you a little bit. Because that should open our eyes a little bit and let us realize this living this life of giving certainly is biblical well let me share with you and here's here's kind of where i want to camp a little bit i want you to develop some benefits of lifestyle giving and sandy you're going to to skip some i'm going to skip some of these some of these points here i want us to look at five steps that will will or five benefits that we'll have as living a lifestyle of giving number one lifestyle stewardship puts material wealth into a biblical perspective i mean whenever we start living a lifestyle of stewardship, it has a way of just putting material wealth into biblical perspective. I mean, everything has its, has its place. In Matthew 6, 33, look at this verse of Scripture. The Bible says, and this is Jesus, He says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, I'll meet your needs if... It's conditional. I'll meet your needs... If you put me first, you put me first in your life. You give your whole life to me. You live for me by the principles that I've unpacked in my word. If you seek me first, I will meet your needs and I'll give you all of these things. You see, I don't know about you, but whenever I do counseling with individuals and talk with someone through a problem or an issue that they may be having and whether it be a financial problem or a relational problem or a physical problem, matter of fact, this this passage of scripture even came up last night in our small group Bible study. But uh, the passage of scripture where it talks about in James five sixteen that if any of you are sick, call the elders of the church to pray over them, anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And I believe there's a lot of different ways that we can be sick, not only just physically, but Mentally and spiritually and financially and we can be sick and have ailments in all those areas But you know, it goes deeper than that. It says that we are to confess our sins one to to another That there we're to search our hearts and if there's any unconfessed sin, we are to repent of that sin right there You see, I believe this If we are going to receive the blessings of God Then we must look into our hearts and we must ask some deep penetrating questions We must ask ourselves and be very truthful with ourselves. Am I robbing God? Am I robbing God? If I really want God to bless me financially, then I must ask the question, am I stealing from Him? Am I taking what is rightfully His? Because all through God's Word, we see that giving is the mandate for the believer. We are to give. We are the tithe. And of course, that's the 10%. We'll get into all that later. But here's how it works. Boy, if you can get a hold of this. Here's how it works. God gives to you. I mean, He just gives us His blessings. In whatever area that it may be in, He just pours His blessings out on us. And then, He wants us to voluntarily give it back. And then, whenever we give it back, He then provides for our needs. You see, that's completely contrary to the way the world believes things should happen. I remember whenever we first moved to Muscouta in 1999, I had met with the mission board and... And I had agreed to come here and plant and start as a whole missionary, Victory Church in Muscouta. And we were looking for a house. Now, at this time, I'd already made agreement that I'd come. And I didn't have a clue how much I was going to make financially. But I said, I'm coming. Because I knew that was God's will. And I figured he'd take care of the finances. And so I went to the bank. And I remember I went to First Federal Bank there in Muscouta. And I, I spoke with John, which is the loan officer there. My wife and I went into his office, and I said, I need them to have a meeting with a loan officer. I'm trying to get pre-approved on a house, and we're moving to Muscoota. We hadn't moved here yet. This was in one of our visits. We'd come up, and we would found a house we kind of sort of locked, and, and uh, we wound up not buying that house, but that's all part of God's plan, too. But we found this house that we kind of locked, and we went to the bank trying to get pre-approval on a loan. So we go to the bank, and I'm sitting there across from John's desk, and John says, why are you here? And I said, God sent me here. And of course... He sat back in his chair and he said, what do you mean God sent you here? Well, God sent me to Muscouta to start Victory Church. And we're moving here. And I need a loan. We're going to buy a house. He said, okay. He said, well, I need some information. He got out his paper and pencil. And he said, okay, um, first of all, how much do you make? I said, I don't know. He said, what do you mean you don't know? I said, I don't have a clue what I'm going to make. And he put his pencil down. And he said, you mean tell me you're moving here from western North Carolina to plan a church, and you don't know how much you're going to make? Nope, don't have a clue, but I need a loan. And he said, well, how much, how much do you think you'll make? I don't know. Am I telling the truth? I don't know. He said, sir, he said, I respect you, but I can't give you a loan on faith. I said, listen, and I leaned up on his desk, and I put my elbows on his desk, and I said, John, you seem to be a good guy, but I want you to know something. God has called me to Muscoot, Illinois, and I know he's going to provide for me, and I am moving my family here by faith. And I, am, I need you right now to step out on faith and give me a loan for a house knowing that God is going to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. Now I need a loan. He said, let me see what I can do. And he started filling out paperwork and the things kind of just started working. You see, a lot of, we got to think differently than the world thinks. A lot of times before we'll ever go get a loan, before we even consider things, we'll, we'll just kind of look at everything. Matter of fact, we've kind of done this even with our church. We'll kind of look at everything and we've got to make sure all the I's are dotted and all the, all the T's are crossed and everything lines up. That's not faith. Some people will not tithe because they don't think they can afford to. They look at their, their bills and they look at their income. There's no way I can do it. It just doesn't line up. That's not faith. Are you with me this morning? Man, we just got to trust God. And it starts, first of all, by giving ourselves to Him. And then whenever we start living this lifestyle of stewardship, it has just a way of putting the material wealth and possessions in the world into biblical perspective and we get a better understanding of how to live. Not hoarding and being stingy, but living like a river. The second benefit, I think, is this. That lifestyle stewardship, it protects against financial enslavement. I am amazed with people that are enslaved financially. They've become a slave to the almighty dollar. You see, whenever we put God first, I believe we'll cease to be enslaved by finances. Why? Because we will realize that everything comes from God. And we will realize that his promises in his word are true and we're living for him. We've given our life to him. We're trusting to him. You see, I remember and this may be a little bit brass, but I'm going to share it with you anyway. I mean it's kind of just the way I am. It's the way I'm just it's it's the DNA of my makeup on the inside, okay? Whenever I surrendered to God, I mean we both had good paying jobs. I was a driver, a truck driver for u p s and my wife worked the uh, the window at uh, at the United States Postal Service. She worked the desk there where people brought in packages and we both had great paying jobs and and I remember I quit and i said i'm going full time in the ministry and then Deb we got to talking, and she realized she had to quit because we were moving away, and we just stepped out on faith and I remember as we were selling our house and packing up and moving and quit these good-paying jobs and all this insurance and that we had, we had, we had 100% coverage on everything. And I believe the Lord sent us there for a short period of time because he knew that he was going to use cancer to get our attention, to get us to the place of service and her cancer back in that day. And I'm talking 20 four years ago 25 years ago cancer back in that day i mean i mean i think the bill was somewhere around fifty thousand dollars or something like that which seems small today compared to what it would be today but that was a huge amount of money it was all paid for by our insurance and we left all that and traveling up the road about two and a half hours away where i went into full-time ministry after i quit ups i was a bivocational pastor at that time and when i quit i kind of drove up the road and i said okay god I know I'm in the center of your will. I know I'm following you. I am trusting in you. Now, if there's going to be food on my table this evening, you're going to have to put it there. If there's going to be a car that I'm going to drive next week and next month, you're going to have to put it there. Because I, had, I didn't have a clue. Matter of fact, I even moved up there, and took this church, and sat through the, the leadership team meetings at that church, took this church as full-time pastor, and didn't even have a clue then what I was going to be getting paid. But just Just went. And you know what? I have not missed one meal. I have not gone without, in all these 20 plus years of pastoring, not really knowing what the answer was financially. God's met our needs. And see, we need to, we need to just turn all that over to the Lord. Say, God, you, you meet our needs. Give our lives to Him, and then we're no longer enslaved. You see, I'm not in bondage and enslaved to money. But I am in bondage and enslavement to Christ. I am His bond slave. I have freely given myself to Him. And I just expect him to take care of me. That's the lifestyle of stewardship that I'm talking about. Third benefit is this. Lifestyle stewardship, thirdly, gives us victory over materialism. Now, here's a great passage of Scripture for you. I want you to get this. In First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 18, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. You see, if you have wealth, it's because God has given it to you. Therefore, don't become arrogant or put your trust in it. God has blessed you. Then it says in verse 18 and 19, Command them to do do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly to come. I I don't have time to unpack all of that, but I want you to get this. Every time you give, you know what you're breaking? You're breaking the materialism syndrome. You're breaking that camel's back every single time. And whenever we develop this lifestyle of stewardship, it'll give you victory over materialism. Number four, another benefit. Lifestyle stewardship, it will strengthen your faith. Boy, it strengthens your faith. Whenever you see God bless and meet your needs over and over and over again, and I, I take you to the great passage of Scripture in Malachi chapter 3 and in verse number 10. Matter of fact, I want you to get this. This is the only time in the entire Bible where God gives you permission to test Him. Listen to what He says. He says, bring the, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he says this, test me in this. It's the only time in the Bible where God says, test me. See, we're not to tempt him. We're not to do all. But the only time he says, test me. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. We need to test the Lord. He says to test Him. Give your heart and life to Him. Live for Him. Develop this lifestyle of stewardship. Give the tithe as it's commanded to be given. And test God and see if He will not bless you. And He promises that He will. The fifth benefit of lifestyle stewardship is this. It will make you a happy person. I'm reminded of the passage of Scripture in First Chronicles. And, and man, all of these are sermons within themselves. And, and I'm just kind of hitting an overview of them. I remember the, the joy and the happiness that David and the people experienced as a result of their giving. In First 1 Chron- First Chronicles chapter 26, or chapter 29 and verse 6, get this. It says, Then the family leaders, get this now, Then the family leaders. Another translation says, Then the leaders of the household. Another translation says, Then the fathers of the home. And then it gives the other guys, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals, the captains, the army, the king's administrative offices, they all gave willingly. But I want us to zero in on that first group of people they gave, these family leaders, the leaders of the home, the leaders of the household, says they gave willingly. And then in verse number 7, it talks about all that they gave, and and I don't have time to unpack all of that. In verse number 9, it says this. As a result of their giving, it says in verse 9, The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. A New Testament parallel passage to that would be Acts chapter 20 in verse number 35. Where it said that Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You want to be a happy person? A happy person is a giving person. Amen. You know the root word for miserable? Is, is, is to mize or to be a miser. A miser is one that hoards and that's stingy and that's cheap and just kind of gathers it all for themselves. That's the root word of miserable. You want to live a miserable life? Be a miser. You want to live a joyful life and be happy? Be a giver. You want to be a miserable person? Be a reservoir. You want to be a happy person? Be a river. Hello? The choice is ours. And we get to make that choice every single day. So in the next four or five weeks or so, I'm going to be talking about stewardship. And my prayer is that you just allow the Lord to speak to you. Wherever you are. And I realize we're all at different levels of faith and spiritual maturity. And, and there's some that are, are spiritually very mature. And there's some that are just babes in Christ and just growing on this journey. But wherever you are in your journey of faith, Wherever you are in your spiritual maturity, I really want you to take seriously these four words. God owns it all. And then I want you to put your trust in Him. Give your life to Him completely. And test Him. And see if He just won't bless you as a result of living a lifestyle of stewardship. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that Your will be done as we have unpacked this scripture and and share the teachings from your word today. Father, I pray that in this time of invitation right now, and that through this message today, Lord that you've been speaking to hearts. And Father, my prayer is right now that that we would give our life to you completely. That we would completely first and foremost give ourselves to you wholeheartedly to live for you And then may may we make a conscience decision today that we're going to be a river and not a reservoir. We're going to be tapped into the giver of life, the river of life, where the abundant blessings of God flow from. We're going to tap ourselves into you. We're going to be that river, that conduit that's connected to you. We're going to live life with our hands wide open. We're going to be a giving person. We're going to give ourselves. We're going to give of our time. We're going to give of our talents. We're going to give of our treasure. But first of all, God, we give ourselves. God, we start living this lifestyle of stewardship. Father, I pray you have your will and your way in this time today. I pray during this time of reflection and this song that people just sit in their seat right now. Right now, God, they give their lives over to you pray that your will be done in this time of invitation. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray and we ask these blessings.